chapter 4 in Yechezkel, Ezekiel chapter 4. And these chapters are actually paired together. So in other words, chapter 4 and chapter 5 are related. Chapter 6 and chapter 7 are related. And chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11 are all related to each other. So let's bear that in mind as we proceed through Yechezkel. So at the end of chapter 3, it says the following. This is chapter 3, verse number 22. The hand of God came upon me there, and God said to me, Arise, go out to the valley, and there I will speak with you. So Yechezkel says, So Yechezkel says, I arose, I went out to the valley, and there stood the presence of God, like the presence I had seen at the Kavar Canal in the beginning of the book, I flung myself down on my face. So that experience, the first text that we have in the book of Yechezkel, the book of Yechezkel comes back to that several times. And this is one of the times that we come back to that first powerful experience. Yechezkel goes back, he's in the valley, and he's told the following. He's told, in verse 24, So the, again, the Spirit came and caused me to set me upon my feet. And the message, important message, shut yourself up in your house. So he's supposed to, he's supposed to go to his own house and shut himself there. And as for you, Ben Adam, human being, cords have been placed upon you, and you have been bound with them. You shall not go out among them. In other words, he is to be quarantined in his house, one might say, tied up in his home. And furthermore, not only that, And I will make your tongue cleave to your palate. In other words, you won't be able to speak. I will make your tongue cleave to your power. You shall be dumb, not speak. You shall not be a reprover to them. They are a rebellious breed. In other words, you're not to be the one who reproves. We have in the Torah. If you see your friend doing something wrong, it doesn't mean only your friend, somebody doing something wrong, you are to says the Torah in the book of Leviticus, in Vayikra, you are to reprove them. Tell them what they're doing wrong. In this particular case, Yechezkel is told, the end of chapter 3, do not be a reprover. They are a rebellious house. That is to say, they're not going to listen to you. The truth of the matter is that in the rabbinic tradition, and the Talmud discusses this, what about a situation where you know that the person that you are reproving is not going to listen. Then the general consensus is, with some possible exceptions, that if you know they're not going to listen, you don't reprove. Because it will make it even worse. At least if they're doing the wrong thing without being told, don't do it, okay, they're doing the wrong thing. But if they're going to continue doing it anyway, after you tell them not to do it, so it makes their crime even greater, and it will accomplish nothing, quite the opposite. It will have a negative impact. So therefore, that's Tvarim Shenam Nishma'im. Statements that won't be 
heard, that is to say, won't be listened to, won't be followed, it's better not to say them. So we have at the end of chapter 3, which leads into chapter 4, this idea that do not be to them a mochia. Do not reprove them, which is a very strange thing to say to a prophet, for it would appear that the prophet's entire job is to reprove. But this, the text here seems to say there's no point. They are a rebellious bunch. But then in verse 27, the last verse of the previous chapter, For when I speak to you, I will open up your mouth. And you'll say to them, Thus says the Lord, One who wishes to listen will listen. One who ceases from listening will cease to listen. They in fact are a rebellious breed. And here, there's something very interesting and very important, I think, in these chapters about the role of Yechezkel. From one perspective, what's the point of talking? But from another perspective, we've been told earlier, he should talk. They should know that a prophet is in their midst. And that's actually a very interesting point, I think, about the prophet in general and the book of Yechezkel in particular. And that is, that from one perspective, what's the point of publicly protesting? Nobody's going to listen anyway. On the other hand, there is a point. Because by protesting, you're making the statement that I know what you're doing, I know you're not going to change your ways because I say so, but I want to go on record, this is not my path, or in the case of the prophet, this is not God's path. And perhaps the conclusion of the previous chapter says that a time will come, I will open your mouth, those who wish to listen will listen, those who wish not to listen will not listen, but it sounds like there's a chance that some may listen. But even in the event that nobody will listen, there still was a point to making a statement, especially when it comes to the public domain and public policy. That's the end of chapter 3. And now in chapter 4, V'yata ben adam. You human. Ben adam means you human. So you human being, take a brick, set it in front of you, and incise on it a city. You carve on it a city, which is Jerusalem. So he's to set up this, create this picture of a siege and build towers against it and cast a bound against it and pitch camps around about it and bring up battery rams about it. That's the first thing he's told to do. And then, in verse number three, you shall take an iron plate and place it as an iron wall between yourself and the city, set your face against it. It shall be under siege. You will, you will besiege it. This will be an omen for the house of Israel. So one could say that and actually, it's very interesting, this iron plate. Because in rabbinic texts, we come across an expression, barzel, which literally means an iron curtain. And we think of an iron curtain, we think of the communist regimes where they had an iron curtain. The point of the curtain 
was to prevent people from leaving the countries that the communists ran. It's not like the problem we have today with, or the issue we have with immigration, which is a very thorny issue. People want to come into the United States. We want to accept as many people as possible, speak for myself. On the other hand, you need some kind of law and order as well. How do you navigate that is a very difficult question, a deeply uh, important question, trying to understand the on one side, the morality of being a welcoming place and helping people in need. On the other hand, not being flooded by so many people that you can't actually serve them. And you may have other kinds of implications for society in general. But the Iron Curtain, the Russians, was to prevent people from leaving. But the expression Iron Curtain, or Mechitza Shel Barzel, comes up in rabbinic texts when it speaks about prayer. The ability of approaching God Sometimes, even if there's an, an iron curtain, an iron partition, you can get through. Your words can get through. Sometimes, but the idea of an iron curtain is to prevent things from passing through. It comes up in the context of prayer. Here, the Mechitza Shel Barzo, here the plate, suggests a city's under siege. And on the other hand, there's a separation, iron curtain, a separation between the prophet, who presumably represents God on one hand, and the city which is under siege. And I'm wondering whether this picture, literally a picture, Yechezkel is to draw the picture, whether in some sense it's not dealing in a, in a way with the end of the previous chapter. The previous chapter expresses a tension between, on one hand, the prophet who can't have any influence, or won't have an influence, and therefore should be silent. On the other hand, to simply see what's happening without addressing it might give the impression that everything that's going on is perfectly fine. And the prophet has the role to make the statement, whether you listen or not, this is not the right path. And I'm wondering now whether in chapter 4, where Yechesko is told not to speak, but actually to act out the prophecy. And Yechesko, in the book of Yechesko, acts out many prophecies. I believe there are 12 situations where he acts out the prophecies. It's more than any other prophet. Yermio, Jeremiah, is in second place in this regard. Though perhaps here the idea of incising on this uh, brick, the city of Jerusalem, taking an iron plate and placing it as an iron wall between yourself and the city is not a way of, in a sense, managing the two perspectives. On one hand, you don't talk. But on the other hand, you are acting out. You are doing something. You're not simply ignoring the situation.